My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Well, again, happy Father's Day. Last week, we began this series on questions that I've wanted to ask about God. And over the course of the next few months, we're going to take a look at questions that are really kind of related to things in our head and questions in our heart, things that we've been pondering and wondering about God, thinking about God, and questions that we need answers to because we feel like maybe God has let us down or life is confusing or maybe we don't know which way to go. And so we're looking at these questions, and um, some are practical, some are theological, and today I hope this one is both. The question is, okay, dear God, what are you really like? Uh, I mean, what are you like, God? Uh, it's an important question because how you relate to God really reflects on your daily life. And if you don't understand how you perceive God, you may not understand exactly how you're living your day-to-day, morning-to-evening life. A.W. Tozer was a theologian, and he wrote this. He said, what you think of God, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of God, what you think of God tells me everything about yourself. It's the most important thing about yourself. And so what do you think about God when you think about God? I mean, what do you envision when you think about God? What comes to your mind? I think we have some misconceptions and misunderstandings, but if you were to imagine God, what would God be like? I think some of us, you know, relate to God uh, kind of in a Star Wars sort of way. He's an impersonal spiritual force of power, and, um, you know, that was really, you know, pushed during the Star Wars movies that he's a force, and you can get in connection with the force, but... The problem with an impersonal power is that God is a person, and and an impersonal power is something you can just use or wield at your own convenience. And oftentimes, we think about God, and we see God in the movies as a lightning flash or a bolt of lightning, or maybe some kind of a cloud uh, speaking through there. It's usually the voice of James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman, something like that, and this big booming voice. And we think of God that way. Really, that does a disservice to God because that's such a distant, impersonal God. Um, I grew up thinking God more like a cosmic sheriff. I mean, God is this God that has put a lot of laws in his book. He put a lot of those laws there to confuse us, to trip us up, to make it more challenging, to live according to his rules. And, And he rides his trusty horse guilt. And he rides around and he is just looking for someone to make a mistake. I mean, he keeps track of every crime. Or, or as Sting once sang, 
saying, every move you make, every step you take, every law you break, God is watching you, right? That's kind of how we view God. He's just this cosmic sheriff that wants to squash us. And when we trip up and blow it, he sends the flu our way or a flat tire or we lose a job or maybe you get, you know, coronavirus or something like that. But make no mistake, God is watching you and you're going to fail. Well, others view God as a too busy mechanic. I mean, God, man, he's just really kind of busy. He used to be busy creating the world and getting the planet spinning, but now the reality is he just keeps all that going and he doesn't have any time for you. I mean, you're just a puny human being. You're just one out of billions on the earth. Why would he care for you, right? I remember when I was in college, uh, my friend Jocelyn and I were driving to Lancaster Mall in Salem, and as we were pulling into the parking lot, she said a prayer for a parking spot towards the front. And I thought, and then I later said, well, that's kind of a wasted prayer, right? I mean, do you think God cares about us getting a parking spot? Well, of course I was wrong, uh, because I do believe God cares about the little details of life. You know, the reality is the struggles that you go through in this world, God does care. He does know. The tensions, the prayers that you make, God is not too busy for you and for me. Sure, he's a big God, an all-powerful God, but he cares about the little details of your life. Well, some of us view God as a butler. Uh, Kind of like uh, we pull a string and a bell rings. He's like Santa Claus, right? Whenever we need God, we pull that bell, push that ringer, and then God comes and serves us, and we give him orders, and we tell him what to do, and he has to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and things like that. Um, Or he's like a genie in a lamp, you know, in Aladdin. We just rub him, and all of a sudden, we get what we want, right? Uh, I think a lot of people, Christians, people who call themselves Christians in America, even those that go to church, view God a different way. We, we view him as like this great big pushover God. I mean, yeah, he's got laws. Yeah, he's got some things he said. He's got some yeses and nos or thou shalt and thou shalt nots in the Bible. But come on, does he really care about that stuff? I mean, can't you do whatever you want to do? I mean, if you live a good enough life, if you're basically moral, if you don't go out and kill anybody, you know, if you, if you don't, you know, really mean to do bad things, isn't he just going to overlook all that? Isn't he just going to kind of blow that off and just go, eh, well, you, li- you lived okay. In fact, your good deeds certainly outweigh your bad deeds. And so when you get to heaven, they'll put them on a scale. And, and, you know, again, as long as you're not Hitler or something like that, you know, you're going to make it. Others view God as a senile old man, someone who's distant because he's really worn out. He's kind of like that too busy mechanic that worked a really long shift. He's worn out. I mean, he's kind of like your grandpa that sits on a porch and rocks back and forth. He takes his teeth out every once in a while. My grandpa used to do that. Freaked me out when he took his teeth out, put them in a little jar. And he's just kind of there. He drools a little bit because he's, he's worn out. I mean, after all, he did create everything. He did get everything started. I mean, Goodness, what did it take to part the Red Sea? What did it take to show up in a burning bush to get Jesus to walk on water? That just really kind of tired him out. And so God, he's there, but you can't really think that he knows what you're dealing with today. He's an old God, completely out of date. Oh, I think a lot of Christians, let's be honest, I even do this sometimes, we view God this way. He's kind of like a God in a box. 
a God that we keep in a box, a small little box, and we carry around with us. And when we have a need, we pull him out. But, you know, for sure, we can't let God roam wild because he might do God stuff, and we can't have that happen because that would be unpredictable. And so we, we put God in a box, and we pull him out when we come to church. And you know what we do? We even come to church in a bigger box, right? And we let God out in the box, within a box. But that's okay as long as things are safe, as long as it works the way I think it should be. And, and God in the box is, is kind of cool until you decide to share God with your friends and you invite your friend over and you say, hey, take a look at this box and you open this box and there's a tiny little box with a tiny little God in it. You go, what a great big God this is. And your neighbor or your friend just goes, man, you're delusional, right? Who would want to worship a, a tiny God that fits in a box? Well, a lot of us would because that means we can decide when God is important in our lives and when he's not. And if he's not important or if he gets a little inconvenient, we shove him down in that box and we carry him around. Now, of course, you know all these views of God are false. They're fake. They're views that we create in our minds because (laughs) it says in Genesis, and we saw this last week, that in the beginning God created us in his image. Well, man, we have been returning the favor for many years. We just turn around and God create God in our image. But 2,000 years ago when Jesus showed up on the scene, The common view of God was a very distant God, a God to be feared, a God to be worshipped. And Jesus walks up, and with one simple sentence, he blows that stereotype away. When when Jesus shared this thing we call the Sermon on the Mount, and then he shared this part, the Lord's Prayer, we call it, he begins with these words. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, our Father You know, up to that point, there was a little bit of father in the Old Testament, but it was more theological than personal. Uh, But in this, just this prayer, Jesus uses this idea of God as father 10 times, more than you see in the Old Testament in just one prayer. Is God awesome? Absolutely. Is he holy, holy, holy? Undeniable. Is he a mighty and fearsome God? Certainly he is. But you know, he's more than that. He's a personal God. It was such a radical idea to think of God as a father. In fact, Jesus got in trouble when he called God father. Well, on my journey of relating to God as father, I had to go through some challenges, some struggles, because uh, my earthly father was a challenge. How about that? Um, He was an angry father. There was a lot of violent explosions. He was an abusive father physically, emotionally. Uh, He was, in some ways, a very absent, distant father. Even though his body was there, he wasn't. And uh, it was really hard for me to think about God as a father. In fact, I couldn't really pray that prayer of Jesus, our father. Because every time I thought of God as a father, I superimposed my earthly father on that image. And it was too painful to think about. Maybe, maybe some of you are like that. Maybe your earthly father failed you. Your earthly father maybe abandoned you. Maybe your earthly father did not live up to the code that God established of being a good, good father. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that all of us, I'm, I'm a father of three sons, and, and I fail, and I struggle, and I wrestle through, and one of my goals in life is to be different than what my dad was, but to be more like Jesus. And somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, 
I learned to live with God as a father, not out of fear, not a God who is angry, not a God who it just inspired me and motivated me my guilt or frustrated with me. Because I know some dads are like that. Some dads make life a living hell on earth. And then when we think about God, we have a distorted, damaged picture. In fact, I think that's one of the enemy, Satan's, best tools that he's ever uh, worked with great, great effect uh, in our generation. If we could destroy fatherhood, if we could separate people, if we could destroy the family and fracture it, we will taint our view of God and then life will just take over for the rest of it. You know, when Jesus clarifies this, he says, our father, he says, our father in heaven. And he's not giving us an address so much as he's saying, this is the biggest God you could ever imagine. This is the true God. This is the God who's awesome. This is the God who's amazing. This is the God who's everywhere. He's all around you. And he is a God that can be trusted with everything. Your heavenly father is perfect. Our earthly fathers, myself included, we are not perfect. But your heavenly father is perfect. Now, what is God really like as a father? Let me share with you four thoughts, and then I want to wrap it up with a a little exercise for you, especially those of you who are fathers. Maybe you're a new father. Maybe you're a grandfather, great-grandfather. Maybe some of you ladies out there, you think about your father, and there's pain there. Um, I think this will be a good message for you today because I know it's been a part of my healing. The number one thing that helped me is to realize that God is a caring father. God truly cares. God truly loves I mean, I've been listening to the Bible, and I'm in the book of Psalms still, and Psalm 103 tells us this, the Lord is like a father to his children. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. See, God knows your weaknesses. God knows your faults and your failures. God understands that you're imperfect, that you're a human being, and yet he still loves you as a caring heavenly father. He knows, and he's tender, and he's compassionate toward you. You know, I I know, friends, that life is very difficult right now. It's emotionally difficult. It's spiritually difficult. It's physically difficult. I know that our world is facing an unseen pandemic, that the curves are going back up again in the charts with coronavirus, and there's even more fear now than ever before. And I know there's very visible racial, racial tension that's all around. And so with the invisible and with the visible, there's a lot of reasons to be stressed. There's a lot of reasons to be filled with anxiety. There's a lot of reasons to question maybe your job, your security, your marriage, your family, your future. And one thing I will tell you is this, even though what we see around us is uncertain, your heavenly father is certain, and he is a caring father. He is a loving father. In fact, I was thinking about this this week in 1 Peter 5, 7, the apostle Peter says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. And you could put your name in that verse in the Bible. You could put your picture there next to that entry, right? Just give all your cares, cast, throw all your cares on God, for he cares about you. He knows what you're going through. He is a caring father. Does God care about your health? He does. Does God care about your your house payment, your bills? He does. Does he care about your job? Yes, he does. Does he care about your relationships? Yes, he does. Does he care about your future? Absolutely. Does he care for you right now? With 100% certainty, our God is a compassionate, caring, caring father. 
My grandpa used to say this. He said, I asked the Lord how much he loved me, and he stretched out his arms and died. If you question God's love for you, all you have to do is go to the cross. Our God loved us. Our God loved you so much. Your God loved you so much that he willingly sent his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to take your sin, to take your burden of guilt and shame, and to put it on his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect person ever to live, God, man, together, to bear that as a perfect sacrifice, your substitute. And when he, Jesus Christ, took all that on the cross and then died, all of your sins were thrown onto Jesus Christ. And because he rose again and resurrected, ascended to heaven, we now can really reclaim a relationship with God because all that Jesus has done for us and all we have to do is cry out to him and confess on our lips that he is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we're saved. You wanna know how much God loves you? If you question that today, just look to Jesus, look to the cross because he stretched out his arms and he died for you. Not only is God a caring father, I also learned that God is a consistent father. He's a trustworthy God. He's a dependable God. You can rely on him. You can count on him. God is worthy of your trust. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, says this, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. See, God can be counted on. He never changes. He never fails. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he loves to give good gifts to his children. He is a father. I mean, as human beings, our earthly fathers were unpredictable. Uh, we're unreliable. We're inconsistent. And you know what? Inconsistent fathers create insecure children. That was my life growing up very insecure, uh, tremendous challenge of self-esteem and the way I viewed myself, but, but, but a consistent father, a God who's reliable over and over and over again will build you confidence and a foundation, I mean, that you can trust in. God never has a bad day. God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed and get moody or grumpy. God doesn't get up from a nap and kind of just, you know, get phased and yell at you and things like that. God, God doesn't do that because he is a consistent father loving you nonstop. We learn from the Apostle Paul these words. If we are unfaithful, which we are, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. I, I love that. Because God does not base his relationship on you. On you. He doesn't relationship, base his relationship with you on your ability to maintain it. He bases it on himself. That means when you're unfaithful, God is faithful. When you're inconsistent, God is consistent. When you're unreliable, God is reliable. When you fail, God never fails. He's a consistent father no matter what else changes in the world. There's one thing you can count on. God always acts consistent the same way towards you. Um, God cannot love you anymore and he can't love you any less. Even though we sin, even though we struggle, even though we stray, God still loves us and he is consistent in that. I love what it says in Psalm 18, verse 30. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. God never fails. All his promises prove true. He will not love you less. Whatever he said about you, which is pretty much a lot in the Bible, how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and how much his favor goes toward you, he's never gonna give up on that. It doesn't base it on you. He bases it on himself.
We also see in the Bible that God is a close father, an intimate father. God can be counted on when we need him. He's always available. He's accessible. He's not a far away, distant God. He's close. Again, this past week I was driving to, my family was, was on, a, on a break with, um, with the extended family and I was driving back and forth from here to, to Dallas and, and um, I, I was reading the Psalms and I was struck again by how close God is to us. And, and I, I listened to Psalm 34 and I kept hitting the, the back button and I kept listening to it over and over and over again. Listen to how David expressed his relationship to God when he was stressed, when he was in great fear, and when he is very insecure in his life. He was actually fearing for his life. It was going to be over and let, just look at what flowed out of his heart. Now, I just kind of compressed the chapter, but let me read it to you. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those to look who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Do you see how close God is? When David was just crying out for a very close God when he was in fear, God is close. When you're hurt, God hurts with you. When you grieve, God grieves with you. When you're brokenhearted and crushed, he is close to you. I mean, if you just feel like you can't even get out of bed in the morning, God is right there strengthening you. He feels for you. He's caring. He's consistent. He's close. Unfortunately, in America, we have this amazingly troubling statistic about absentee fathering in America and the crisis it has caused. I just saw this a week ago, an infographic. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 19.7 million children, more than one in four, more than one in four, more than 25% live without a father in the home. Consequently, there is a fatherless factor in every all social ills facing America today. This is what it said. Research from the Census Bureau indicates that when a child is raised in a father absent home, he or she is affected in the following ways. One, it says four times greater risk of poverty. When dad's not in the home, that person will grow up in poverty, four times greater risk, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Seven times, young ladies, if you grow up without a father, you're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. You're two times more likely to suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of high school. You are more likely to commit not just crime, but violent crime, more likely to go to prison without a father, more likely to face abuse and neglect and more likely to have behavioral problems the rest of your life. There is a crisis in America today, and it is a crisis of the fathers not being there. Dads, man, if you're listening, you are needed. Show up. I know you've struggled. I know, I know from the very beginning of creation, we see Adam 
push back into the shadows when Eve was being tempted. And I know within each of us, there is a question, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to lead my family. I don't know how to pray with my family. I don't know how to be a spiritual leader. The reality is you just got to jump in, just dive in and do it. Why is it that men were, were so great at going to war and fighting battles? We're so great at going to work and making achievements. And we come home and we crumble, right? I know, dads, every one of us face that. Every one of us struggle with that. You're not alone in that. But you need to be close to your family, to your spouse, to your children. You know, you're needed. So don't give up the fight, dad. And finally, number four, God is a capable father. That means that he can handle anything you give to him, anything you put on his shoulders. He's not overwhelmed by it. No problem is too great for your father. Nothing is beyond his ability. All you have to do, friends, is take your cares and concerns to God. Psalm 55, King David says this, give your burdens to the Lord. I like that, your burdens. What is burdening you today? What is the burden on your heart? Give your burdens to the Lord. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Give your burden to the Lord, whatever you're facing right now, whatever pressure it is, it could be because you're a dad, and you're facing the stress and the, the questions about the world right now and life right now. Uh, maybe you're a brand new dad and you're, you're fearing for everything. I, I get that. I've been there. Maybe you're a grandfather and you're fearing for the future, retirement, your children, your grandchildren. Uh, ladies, you have tremendous fears as well. Your marriage, your relationships, your job. You're, you're raising your children. Uh, maybe just you're single and you're fearing that you're never going to get married. You're fearing the future. Maybe you're young and you're fearing, where do I go to college? What does God want for my life? There's a lot of reasons to be afraid. Give your burdens to the Lord. Give your fear to the Lord. Give your apprehension to the Lord today. He will take care of you. He will wrap you in his arms and hold you close. And he will whisper that he loves you. He will not permit you to fall. You know, when Jesus was here on the earth, he called God Father. And in his language, the word for father in Aramaic is Abba. And it simply means daddy. It's not a formal name. It's not like sir. When I, when I was young, I was raised to speak to my elders as sir or ma'am. I was from the Midwest in my early days. And so I still do that today. I call people sir or ma'am. It's kind of weird um, here in, in, in Oregon because people don't quite get it. But I, I still think of people with respect, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Jesus didn't call God sir. He called him daddy. He called him papa. It's kind of like the first words you learn as a baby, as a little toddler. It's kind of like mama or dada. It's this intimate when you just hold on to your mother or father or they hold on to you and grip you tight. Basically, Jesus says, when you approach your heavenly father, he's your heavenly daddy. He's your papa. He's the one who's close and intimate. He's the one that's more than capable of dealing with all of the struggles you're facing right now. You know, our Abba, our God, is a caring father. He's a consistent father. He's a close father. And he is a capable father. Now, I grew up with an angry, abusive, absent father. And he shaped my view of God. And the way I viewed God, and it was very difficult because I grew up strained in my relationship with God for many, many years. And my theology was incorrect because of my earthly father. But that's how it works. Our earthly fathers cast a shadow of our image of our heavenly father. You know, I experienced a major breakthrough in college 
when I grew to understand not just that he was an almighty God, but that he was a close God. I used to think of God as being very distant, very hard to please, that I had to jump on a performance treadmill just to make it work, just to hear a good job. I mean, you know, having been a full-time pastor for the last 31 years, I can tell you that, you know, a lot of people know God that way as a distant, impersonal God. Very few people know God as a loving, consistent, capable father. But if you would be willing to take your view of almighty God, which he truly is, to an Abba father, a heavenly father, then you will experience some amazing intimacy with God. There's no way around it, men. Our experience with our earthly father has tremendous effect on how we view our heavenly father and how we father. Uh, Tyler Durden said it well. I was talking to my son. I, I said, one day I will edit Fight Club and let you see it. <laughs> it might only be 20 minutes long. I'm not sure. Um, Tyler Durden said it this way. He said, uh, our fathers were our models for God. If our fathers bailed, then what does it tell you about God? Well, it tells you that God doesn't bail because he's not like our earthly fathers. What it tells us is that God is so loving that he would lay down his life for you. His death on the cross carries all of your wounds. God hasn't failed us. We have failed God, but God is willing to receive us and welcome us back home. He still reaches out in love to us. These, these days, I know this, a lot of people carry wounds, some deep wounds about God because of their earthly father. And so what I'd like to do is, is I'd like to ask you to close your eyes, and I want you to just listen to these words Maybe about your earthly father, but mostly about your heavenly father. So with your eyes closed, I would just like to ask you these things and walk this through with you. Did your earthly father abandon you? Well, your heavenly father has adopted you. Did your earthly father see you as a mouth to feed? Friends, your heavenly father sees you as a soul to love. Did your earthly father lie to you? Your heavenly father speaks truth to you. Did your earthly father live a life that was deeply flawed? Well, your heavenly father is absolutely perfect. Did your earthly father act out in selfish ways? (laughs) Your heavenly father only thought of you as he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Did your earthly father place burdens on you that you could not bear? You know, your heavenly father placed the burden of your sins on his son, Jesus, who is the only one who could bear your sin. If your earthly father ignored you, your heavenly father hears you. If you never really truly knew your earthly father, you can not only know your heavenly father, you can know that he knows you better than you even know yourself. If your earthly father rejected you, Your heavenly father accepts you and welcomes you as his son or daughter. If your earthly father mistreated or abused you, your heavenly father is a safe rock of refuge to run to and be saved. Perhaps your earthly father never valued you. Your heavenly father, friends, loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. That is your heavenly father who gave his son Jesus Fathers, dads, you're needed by your kids, by your wife. Your most important job is loving your wife and caring 
and fathering your children. One day you're going to retire from your job, but you'll never retire from your children. Don't make the mistake of succeeding and winning at work and failing at home. Home is where you're needed the most. Your wife and your children are much more important than anything else you have. Your children are your inheritance. And so, Father God, I want to pray right now, thanking you for being our Heavenly Father, our Abba, our Papa, our Daddy. When many of us in the world have struggled with our view of God because of our earthly fathers, you give a perfect vision of what it means to be a perfect father. But that might be distant for some of us. That might be a strain to think about and to get there. God, I know you brought healing in my life. It took, it took many years. But you replaced the vision of God as a flawed, failed father with a perfect heavenly father, an Abba, a Papa, a Daddy, who loves so much that you gave everything for me. So, Father, we pray, and I pray for all those listening, men, women, young and old, as we think about our earthly father, there would be forgiveness. If there was pain and brokenness, there would be a hope for the future, and there would be the reality of a relationship with you. And may we run to you, our good, good Father, because you gave everything for us. We pray in your name. Amen.